thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Well, good morning. Um, thanks, Tim, Lisa, for sharing this morning. And uh, Dylan and Sam, wherever Sam's gone, it's good to have you guys here. Uh, and uh, supporting them. Make sure you get to an opportunity to chat uh, with them. It's one of those things we want to try to work at as a, as a community of faith, uh, fostering intergenerational relationships. So here's your chance. Uh, and uh, don't forget that the GLS is only a week away. Uh, if you kind of saw and recognize some of those names, it's not too late to register. Love to see you there. It's amazing teaching, really, really helpful uh, as, uh, as we uh, seek to increase our own influence as leaders. I've said a number of times, a number of occasions over this series that for us to get the most out of a proverb, we often have to kind of play around with it a little bit. Now, we have to play around with them because while they have a very simple form, right, two lines uh, about uh, wisdom, we often uh, need to unpack them a little bit in order to kind of get all the wisdom out of it, shall we say. Uh, one uh, scholar talks about them as freeze-dried wisdom or freeze-dried truth or dehydrated truth. You've got to kind of soak it a little while for it to kind of, uh, kind of get, get, get out so that we can actually see and hear and then apply the wisdom to our lives. Because ultimately, of course, proverbs are meant to be used, aren't they? Uh, you know, if you're a father, these are meant to be quoted incessantly to your children and grandchildren, right? Uh, these, this is the wisdom for living. These are little tips, little pocket tips on how we can be successful in life. Uh, and so whenever we come to a proverb, um, one of the things that I've quite enjoyed in preparing for this series all the way through has been the opportunity to really think and grapple with what the wisdom is in each of the proverbs that we're looking at. And the proverb we're looking at today is actually in chapter 12, verse 9, and it reads this way, better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Now, this is the first of the better than Proverbs that you find in the book of Proverbs. There's a handful of them. And essentially, each of these contrasts two different ways, right? One that is good and one that is better. If you have your Bibles with you and want to turn really quickly to chapter 15, there's a couple others that are back to back in, in uh, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 reads, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And then followed on with, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Uh, and you know, so if you're going to have salad, there might as well at least be love in the building because if you don't have love and a salad, well then you've just missed out entirely, haven't you? Right? And so they kind of contrast these two different uh, kind of choices that we have. And ultimately, these better than proverbs are designed, I think, to help us and assist us in making choices. So if you are given a choice between two outcomes, X and Y, X is better than Y. So choose X wherever you can. In this case, if the choice is between being a nobody and yet having kind of means in your life or pretending to be somebody but having no food, choose being a nobody, right? It's better to be a nobody and have a servant than it is to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Now, interestingly, a lot of the uh, better than Proverbs actually have to do with this concern with wealth. Uh, what is better? 
Uh, is it better to have a lot of wealth or is it better to be poor? And it depends a little bit on the wider circumstances. In chapter 16, verse 9, 19, we read this, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. So if you, if you have a choice between kind of making out like a bandit and doing really well financially, but you ended up hanging around with the wrong sorts of people, bandits, uh, and you have a choice of being with the oppressed, even though you don't kind of make any money out of it, it's better to, to choose the latter rather than the former. Uh, there are other examples in chapter 22. Uh, verse 1, similar kind of idea. A good name is more desirable than great riches, and to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And yet this proverb here contrasts two different people, but they actually share, share something in common, don't they? The contrast in chapter 12, verse 9, is between a person who is lightly regarded, so the person who is a nobody, but shouldn't be seen as a nobody because they actually have some means in their lives, and someone who is highly regarded but shouldn't be because they don't have any food, right? They look great, but they don't actually have any of the, um, shall we say, the, the significant um, characteristics of someone who is actually wise. And so when, when I was working my way through this proverb, when I was thinking a little bit more about it, I began to th think immediately about um, social media influencers. And boy, if you want to feel old real fast, that's a great way to do it, right? So I, I read about a fellow, his name is, I'm probably going to get it wrong, PewDiePie, uh, who has uh, 66 million subscribers to his YouTube channel. And as far as I understand, he plays video games and records himself playing video games and then shows those video games and everyone watches. His last one was, uh, I watched one, it was about, uh, he showed funny clips or clips he thought was funny from the internet and said, if you laugh, you lose. And then he invited other people to watch them at the same time and see if they could not laugh. It was brutal. <laughs> and I felt old because I didn't get it at all in any way, shape, or form. And I thought to myself, so what kind of a world do I live in where this is influential? Uh, but I realized very quickly that this proverb has nothing to say about social media influencers, because this proverb actually belittles people who pretend to be significant. Whatever else I might think of YouTube sensations, they're not pretending to be influential. They are. Uh, this fellow was uh, named in 2016 to Time's most influential 100 people in the world. Now, I might question why he's influential, but I can't argue that he isn't. Right? So when he, talks to his, when he talks to his subscribers and encourages them to support a charity, for instance, well, that just gets a whole bunch of press all of a sudden. So I thought, well, this, this proverb isn't about people who I think should be lightly regarded but are not, and those who should be highly regarded and are not. It has something else to say to me and I think to us as well. And so I thought, that, I thought when would you use this? And, and again, I'm kind of pulling the curtain back here. The, the first thing I thought of was it sounds like a whiny, sore loser, uh, who is not getting the credit for being as good as they, they are and uh, kind of wants to come back with a playground taunt. It kind of becomes the ancient equivalent of it takes one to know one, 
right? So, you know, I'm not getting any cred for what I'm doing or for the person that I am, and I basically say in my whiny, self-righteous voice, it's better to be a nobody and yet have a servant, right? As if there's some sort of kind of weird sense of justifying why I'm not particularly significant. And yet, again, I don't think that's actually what the proverb is about. The proverb wants to help us make a choice in life. It wants to help us make a choice, two different choices that we can make, one of which is better than the other. And so I kind of went back to this question of what is the choice? What's the choice that's being represented for us here? And, And again, the first glance is that it's talking about authenticity, right? It's better to be authentic and real and genuine, even if that means you're a nobody, than to fake it till you make it. Right? Speaking of another proverb, which is also true, by the way, isn't it? There are times when you fake it to make it, don't you? Uh, and and there's, a, there's a principle of truth in that. But I don't think that's what's going on here. While there may be wisdom in being authentic, while it might be um, the better choice to be real and genuine, and, and Lord knows we certainly need some help as a community, don't we, to try to work out the real from the fake, the authentic from the inauthentic, uh, we, we struggle even now to try to make sense of the news, don't we, about whether it's real or not, whether it's fake or not, whether it's trustworthy or not. And so there's something in here about authenticity that might be quite valuable. But I don't think that, again, I don't think that's actually the point this proverb is making. I don't think the choice is necessarily about being authentic, although that's certainly a good thing to do. Nor is it about moderation, because right? there's this sense that you can kind of read into this, that it's better to be a nobody and yet, shall we say, live within your means than to pretend to be somebody and spend all you have and have no food, right? So yeah, you've gone on the holiday and you've got the boat and you've got the car and you've got the look, but you don't have anything to eat, right? You've got the big house, but you don't have any furniture in it, right? So you look the part. Again, kind of authenticity, but also this idea of moderation. And again, there is wisdom in moderation, isn't there? And in our society and culture, in our community, we can certainly use some wisdom around moderation because we're not very moderate, are we? Uh, we spend everything we have and more. We, take, we kind of use all of our resources and more. There's not a lot of thought given to the future. And so that's also true. But the proverb doesn't actually talk about money, does it? It doesn't say it's better to be nobody and live within your means, uh, than to pretend to be someone who has spent all that they have and therefore have no food. We have to read all that into it. And so again, I I was left, and I hope hope you don't find this tedious, this kind of, you know, kind of my journey through the proverb. I hope it actually helps you think through proverbs yourself. But I kind of came back again to the question here of, where is the wisdom in this proverb? This is where I got to earlier in the week. Where is the wisdom in this proverb? Uh, Where is the wisdom here that I can use, that you can use, that we can use together? Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Is there something about authenticity? Maybe, but probably not quite. Is there something about moderation? Maybe, but not quite. I just, I couldn't help feeling that I hadn't quite got at the truth here. I hadn't quite cracked this nut. I hadn't quite opened it up and gone, yes, that's something I can live through. So I did a little bit more thinking about what it means, for instance, to have a servant. 
Uh, you know, for us, we don't think so much about having servants. We certainly don't think about having slaves. That whole idea is quite abhorrent to us. But in the ancient Near Eastern culture, it was relatively commonplace. And in fact, it was actually, shall we say, an element, there was an element of social responsibility in it. So if you go back and read through the laws of, of Israel, there's actually a whole bunch of laws surrounding uh, what would happen, what should happen, what could happen if a, a fellow Israelite became impoverished. You know, they had two or three really bad crops or whatever it might have, whatever might have happened. They no longer had enough resources to support themselves and their family, uh, and they, they could sell themselves into slavery. They could sell themselves into servanthood, and they could eventually, if the law was followed, kind of work their way back to freedom. And so to be someone who could actually afford a servant is not just about my wealth relative to the society around me, but also my capacity to have a social responsibility. It was kind of, it was kind of part of their, 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 their net to catch people. Right? If you were totally impoverished, servanthood was not just seen as a, as, a, as, a, as a horrible thing. It was actually a way to kind of maintain your lifestyle. So does that have anything to play in this proverb? Is it better to be someone who, can, uh, who is a nobody but can still act with social responsibility, who can act in moderation, who's authentic? Is it better than pretending and having no food? And, and I, I still felt that that doesn't help me. I can't use this proverb anywhere yet. And ultimately, the proverbs are meant to be used, aren't they? And if we can't use the proverb, then, well, we haven't thought enough about it. So again, I came back to this question of what is, what's the wisdom here? What's the choice that's being given? And, and as I had a, another, another, another look at this proverb, as I thought again about these two lines, began to see that the choice that they were making was actually between wisdom and social status or esteem or honor. That seemed to be the ultimate choice. And, and here's, here's how I arrived at that. When I was thinking about the, the proverb again, I thought to myself, how could you be how could, you be a, how could you be someone who was pretending to be great, but have no food? Like, how long is it going to take to figure that out? How long is it going to take for people in the society and culture to realize that you're faking it? Well, how long can you live without food, right? Like, within a month, isn't it? And people are going to start commenting long before, wow, you've lost a lot of weight. Yeah, but I'm really important, right? <laughs> Really? Yeah, you looked the part. Thank you. Feeling good, right? A week later, you're gone. Right? It just seems strange to me that you could pretend to be someone with such a glaring lack in your life. And similarly, in a small agricultural society, I don't know how many of you grew up in small towns. I, I didn't, but it seems to me that everyone in a small town knows everyone in a small town. Imagine a small town and you have a servant. Particularly imagine if that servant has come to your household because they also live in the small town, but have become impoverished and have now sold themselves into your service. I mean, that, stuff, that sort of stuff gets around awfully quick, doesn't it? You can't hide that. And so I began to think, so why is it in Proverbs that someone has a servant 
has done well for themselves. And why is it that people in Proverbs don't have food? And we don't have time to look at all the different Proverbs that speak into that. But by and large, those who have servants, those who do well in life, are those who follow the path of wisdom. Those who have no food are those who are fools. Now, it's an overly simplistic universe, isn't it? Because we know that it's not always how it works, right? We know from our own experience that sometimes you can do the right thing and it doesn't actually pay off. Sometimes we know that you can be doing the right sorts of things, living the right kinds of ways, and it doesn't actually work out. We also know that sometimes people don't live very wisely and do well for themselves. But the book of Proverbs basically outlines that generally speaking, generally speaking, the way of wisdom will pay off. Again, if you have your Bibles, just have a look in Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs 4, the the father, right, the one who is teaching, is speaking to his sons, whether it's a father to his sons or a teacher to his class, right? He says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction, pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Here's the basic promise of wisdom. If you walk in the way of wisdom, if you walk in the fear of the Lord, if you do what is just and honest and right, chances are you will end up being successful in life. That's the basic premise here, right? God created the world. He created both the material world and the moral universe. And so if we live according to his plans and purposes for us, chances are it's all going to work out. But sometimes the consequences of living wisely aren't obvious, are they? Sometimes we do the right thing and we don't get any credit for it. Sometimes we do the right thing and we don't get ahead. Sometimes we pursue righteousness, we pursue truthfulness, we pursue the things of God, and it doesn't work out for us, right? It's not always as simple, it's not always as black and white, it's not always as clear as act wisely and be successful, but so often what we seek after is actually esteem, isn't it? We seek the good outcome. We seek the consequence. We seek the honor. We seek the status. We seek what will come from being perceived as being successful. And here's the thing that we find all the way through the book of Proverbs and all the way through Scripture, and that is that the wise do not pursue honor and esteem and status. The wise pursue wisdom. They pursue wisdom. That is their their priority. 
That is the essential element that they seek to find. And there will be times when you will be forced to choose. Do you choose the way of wisdom that may not be noticed, that may not give you any credibility, that may not increase the way you are perceived in the world, that may not actually lead to immediate success, but it's wise? Or will you choose the path that seeks the outcome without the wisdom? It's almost a matter of character, isn't it? You build character usually in the decisions you make when no one else is watching, don't you? You build character in those tough decisions, in those tough moments, in those hard decisions that need to be made. That's where character shines through. And the author here, this little proverb, says that you should always choose the path of wisdom. You should always choose the path of wisdom. Always choose the path of wisdom. Even if no one else notices. Even if no one else ever draws attention to it. Even if no one else ever thinks much of you at all. It is always, 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 always better to choose wisdom. To get understanding. Though it cost all you have, get wisdom. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. It is better, if we want to make that into a proverb, it is better to have absolutely nothing in life and be wise than to have everything and be a fool. Does it sound similar to something Jesus said? Why would you gain the whole world but lose your life? It's wisdom, isn't it? It is always Always, always, always better to choose wisdom over what people might say, what people might think, what people might recognize in us. And it occurred to me that while the the path of wisdom may not always be noticed, inevitably, it will. Inevitably, it will. Now, you read through the, the book of Proverbs and you can't miss it. And although there are times and places when we may not receive the, the recognition for the way we live that we might want, while we might not get ahead in the ways that the world might consider really quite significant, at the end of the day, we will be those who are wise. And those who are wise you may be familiar with, are those who fear the Lord. Will we ever regret fearing the Lord? Will we ever regret having made a decision to live in God's world in God's terms? Will we ever regret being honest or pursuing justice or pursuing mercy I think ultimately, I don't think we will. Ultimately, it is better to be a nobody. And we can be a nobody in so many ways, can't we? It is better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food.
pocket tip for better living from the book of Proverbs. And the choices that you make between esteem and honor, recognition and wisdom, choose wisdom. We want to take a little while to respond, uh, and so I'm going to invite Jodine and the team uh, to join me. We want to take some time not just to listen, but also to, to think about where it is that God's actually been speaking to each of us. Uh, so I'll invite Jodine to lead us as we respond together and seek to respond together, and then respond in prayer and worship. Thanks, Mark. Well, I think we can recognize the wisdom of wisdom, <laughs> and I'm sure whatever it is we're facing uh, in our daily lives, in the week ahead, in the months ahead, that we could sure use a healthy dollop of wisdom on top of it. So let's take a moment to bring before God the things that are on our mind and on our heart, maybe the things that consume us or have got us bent out of shape or overwhelmed, or things that are maybe exciting us and we've got a lot of decisions and great opportunities. So can I get you to take your hand and just lay it open on your lap? Just one of your hands and rest it there. And can I get you to visualise the thing that is on your mind right now, the thing that is in your heart, the thing that is maybe burdening you, maybe an exciting opportunity, maybe an unavoidable circumstance, or maybe you're at a crossroad, whatever it is, imagine that out of your mind, out of your heart, and actually in your hand right now. Can you see it? Can you feel the emotion of it? Can you feel the complexity? Maybe the simplicity? Whatever it is, that's the thing that is in front of you. Now, can I ask you to get your other hand and open that and lay it on your, your other side of your lap? In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Can I ask for all of us and can I pray that we could have wisdom in that other hand, that we would pray that wisdom and ask for that wisdom from God who gives us liberally for your situation that is in your other hand. So can I get you to think that through and pray and ask God for wisdom in regards to your situation. Now with both those hands, can I get you to put them together just like this? Your situation and the wisdom of God. Now this symbol here is actually a W, w in the Auslan language. So W for wisdom, that merging of situation and circumstance and you and wisdom from God. Let's merge those together. And I'm just going to pray a quick prayer. It's actually from someone called Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, you probably know it when you hear it. And it just talks briefly about wisdom. And I pray for us this week. That here's these words. God Grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. So whatever we have in our hands, put it into God's hand of wisdom. 
And may we walk with wisdom this week and these days and, and beyond this moment.